What's up, everybody? Welcome back to RPG A Day. Each day of the month of August, I'll be putting out a shorter episode based on an RPG-related word chosen by someone who I do not know. Strap in. It's going to be a long road. Hey, Joe. It's BJ. Man, I love the episode with you and Jules talking about Masters of the Universe. It's really interesting to hear perspectives from someone coming in with fresh eyes on the whole situation. Um, so, great episode. A couple things I wanted to uh, to comment on there. I know we were all little kids when that first episode came out, first series came out. Um, they allude to it, but they don't actually, actually say it. That uh, Speaking about, I guess, mothers, the theme of mothers in there. Uh, Tila is the sorceress's daughter, and her destiny is supposed to be to become the sorceress when it's time to for someone else to take up the mantle. And so I always thought there was this sort of idea that the future is Tila and He-Man you know, he kind of being partners in the way that they uh, will protect Castle Grayskull moving forward. And, and also there was an episode of the original where Adam's mother, the queen, figures out that he's He-Man. She doesn't say it openly, but you can tell by the... She just figures it out. And so she just kind of... She, she knows he has a secret, and she keeps that secret to herself. So I think what's playing out there, when uh, you see that she knows that he was He-Man, even though her husband didn't, Adam and, and none of the other people who were kind of in on the secret even knew she knew. She figured it out on her own in, in an episode of the original series at one point, and then just kind of kept it to herself. So the other thing, and I think Jules made a point about it, you know, this is not a feminist show, and... and you know, why was Tila a warrior goddess? Was that sort of, could you not have strong women? It's interesting when you think of She-Ra, He-Man's sister that came kind of later and was marketed to girls. I'll try to summarize this, but there's a Spectre Creative as a YouTube channel that's run by the guy who used to be the creative director for Masters of the Universe. And he gives a much thorough history in one of his videos. But basically, a couple years into the toy line, He-Man was outselling everything, uh, his best-selling toy in the world, uh, and at Mattel, and it had eclipsed Barbie. Barbie had always been their best-selling um, toy line, and so they're like, "Why are we selling?" So they started looking at their marketing research. This was just unexpected, and they realized that a huge chunk—I th think it may have been nearly forty percent of the kids playing with He-Man toys were girls. And so the the, the people who were producing the He-Man toys thought, "Well, let's just make some more female characters. If we have this many girls that like the toys, let's let's go ahead and make more female characters." And that's where they came up with the idea of She-Ra being He-Man's long-lost sister. Uh, and they were going to going to just kind of create them in the same mold as the, the Tila and Evil Inn characters, you know, the way the, the figures are molded. Well, then the, the division, the department, I guess, that, that did Barbie at the time was incensed that they were going to start marketing. No, girls' toys are ours. These are dolls for girls. So they sort of took it. And they kind of added all the rainbow and, and, and floral and glitter patterns that those toys came out with. Put the combable, braidable hair on the dolls where they were originally intended to be female action figures to just be part of the Masters of the Universe toy line. Uh, I, I thought that was a very interesting, I don't know how you would interpret that, but it, it's kind of interesting that somewhere in the early 80s, is this, the, the people who made He-Man figured out that boys and girls could like the same toys 
And it was the Barbie division that sort of stamped out their effort to sort of just roll with that. I thought that was really fascinating. Anyway, I, th- I think that, that video at Spectre Creative gives a little more of the history on that. And they may also touch on it on the Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us. Um, but yeah, great episode. It was, it was cool to listen to you and, and, and Jules respond to that and react to that. Uh, provide some, some valid criticisms. Um, and I, I think, yeah, if you, if you don't know what came before in the toy line and the, those other episodes, and even the, the early 2000s animated series, there were a few shout-outs to that in there, including the, what is it, Subternia, the Underworld. That, 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 there's a, some story art lines involving that in the, that second animated series. It really didn't... I think it made two or three seasons, even though it wasn't as widely received as the first one. Anyway, enjoyed that episode, and uh, take care. I'll talk to you later. And also, Jules, if you're listening, thanks for contributing to that. Good to hear your voice on there as well. BJ, dude, those were awesome calls, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I absolutely, I meant to mention the Spectre Creative Channel because that's where most of my uh, deep, non-cartoon-based He-Man lore information comes from. So thank you so much for bringing that up. I'll include a link to the channel in my show notes. So if anyone else is interested in some deep, deep cuts on He-Man, check that channel out. It's it's a really cool channel. Uh, the, the whole company, Spectre Creative, seems awesome. Their little intro video when you log it, when you go to their YouTube page, it's really cool. They're doing a lot of cool stuff with toys especially with toys for kids with special needs, which is amazing. I I love that stuff. So yeah, again, thank you for bringing that up. I I had no idea about that uh, She-Ra and Barbie debacle. And I will call it a debacle because it's a shame that we never got a chance to see what that could have been like. A bunch of action figures designed specifically for girls would probably have been awesome, man. And... Just one of those things when, you know, people just th- make bad decisions, <laughs> just bad decisions. That was stupid for the Barbie side to come in. And it's not stupid, right? Like there are a ton of people that like what She-Ra ended up being. And that's cool. That's awesome. I, I even watched some She-Ra back in the day. Uh, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that or anything. But it would have been really interesting to see what it would have been like if it hadn't had all those, you know, rainbows and all that stuff. And it would have been more like the sci fantasy He-Man show. Yeah, I don't know, man. That was cool. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad you're bringing this up in general because it gives me a chance to say a thing that I didn't say during my uh, interview with Jules, who did an amazing job again Jules thank you so much that was really really fun uh but yeah when I was talking about how I didn't like the fact that they called the afterworlds heaven and hell in the masters of the universe show on Netflix I meant to add in the fact that I also got these very strong technology is bad faith is good vibes like the whole show that's kind of the theme of the whole show is technology is bad and dangerous faith is the only thing that can save us and that stuff kind of makes me nervous sometimes (laughs) especially in the context of 
heaven and hell being thrown out constantly in that show. I don't know. I don't know, Kevin Smith. And when I called him a super Christian, Jules rightly pointed out that in nicer terms that what I said was fucking stupid and that there's nothing at all wrong with being a Christian or being religious or being faithful at all. And she is a million percent right on that. Thank you, Jules, for pointing that out. Um, but I'm not a fan of the evangelicals throw it in your face. Technology is bad. Faith is the only way. I don't really love that. It makes me nervous. Yeah, technology has its downsides. It is, it's invasive right now. It causes a lot of problems, but it also helps a lot of problems. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't think technology is inherently evil. I don't think it's inherently good either. I think it's a tool that can be used in any sort of way. But, yeah, man, so I really appreciate those messages, BJ. Like I said, I thought they were really cool, very insightful, a lot of good information there. So thanks a lot. And yet, let me get on to uh, talking about medium or mediums. I don't know. Let's see. Medium. I don't really have a lot to say about medium but i do have some stuff to say about mediums those who commune with the dead and how in my opinion speak with dead is one of the most powerful and most underused spells in DD. it is great i would use it if i played when i ever play a cleric i will use it all the time or whatever class gets access to that spell, I will definitely use it because you can get so much information from it. It's a fantastic spell. It's also a nice thing to do for your dungeon master. <laughs> it gives your dungeon master time to spout some world lore and give some hints and give some clues and give some other knowledge out there. And that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty much all I have to say. Speak with dead rules. People, you should use it more. <laughs> it's a great spell. Okay, that's it. Uh, and that's it for this episode. Again, thank you so much, BJ. Dude, you are the crux of this episode. I really appreciate it. Uh, everybody else, you're also awesome. I hope you listen to my interview with Jules because it's really good. I really like it. It's fun. We have a really good time, and I think it's I think it's informative about the. I think it puts He Man in the proper or Masters of the Universe in the proper place because there's a lot of internet hullabaloo about that show, and I think ninety nine percent of it is unwarranted. Anyway, that's it, everybody. I love you all. Peace out.